Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, what's shaking, Super Nintendos? It is Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 614. I am your Boston Celtics supporting host, Seth Macy. And back from the sea adventures, we have industry legend, Cat Bailey. Hey, it's me, Cat Bailey, your Golden State Warriors supporting NVC co-host. Ouch. Oof. Uh, dressed appropriately for the subject matter, we have Casey DeFritis. Hey, what's up? I'm here to talk about monsters, and that's it. 
<laughs> and all the way from Hawaii via a hotel room, it is the newly married Tom Marks. Congratulations to Tom Marks and Thank his you. bride. Thank you. So, congratulations. Yeah, I'm her husband more, but <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, thanks. And no, I'm back. I'm not in Hawaii anymore, thankfully. I'm not trapped there. But yeah. uh, I mean, I guess that's a double-edged sword, not being in Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, that's some monkey paw stuff right there. It it's, is. Uh, you're, you're in Hawaii, but you're trapped oh, in a hotel room for <laughs> two agonizing weeks. Anyway, in case you haven't been paying attention, there was a new Pokemon. Tra- oh, wait, I'm jumping ahead of myself. What am I talking about? There's an IGN first going on right now. It is June. By God, I can't even believe it. I know. For Sonic Frontiers, which is the new open world, presumably 3D uh, Sonic game. And we have seven minutes of actual gameplay footage. And a lot of people in the Facebook group are being like, oh, look, it's Sonic Xenoblade, uh, <laughs> Xenosonic. But yeah, Sonic is just, he's running around in a big field. And there's rails and loops that he's grinding on. And uh, it, I, I totally, I'm not exactly sure what this is going for. I'm interested to hear what other people think of, uh, of this trailer. Casey, you were saying you're, you're a Sonic Adventures uh, fan. What are you thinking about Sonic Frontiers? I kind of wish it was just another Sonic Adventure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh I mean, it looks like they're trying to do something cool and interesting and new. And I do always like when game companies experiment a little bit. So that's great. So I I know I'm contradicting myself. I wish it was just another Sonic adventure. But I understand that would be a little bit more safe. Um, I'm really surprised at how realistic everything looks. And Mm. if you... Like the quality of everything looks great. Like the lighting looks amazing. The textures look wonderful. It is not going to look like this on the Switch. That oh, <laughs> was like yeah, my no. my first my first impression, but right now it looks pretty devoid of any enemies, and it looks like ruins. I guess it starts off. You actually watch the video. Uh, Mitchell Saltzman is the one who is running the IGN first for this year, um, this month, and he says that Sonic just mysteriously ends up on this deserted island by himself. And I guess there's a mystery you have to solve, and you watch Sonic go around and solve sort of like little puzzles. And that fill out it's so weird it's so like it's looks of, like old ruins but the there's wild. like yeah exactly but there's technology and he solves these puzzles and then it's like a a ping of energy goes out from this sign with a question mark and it looks like when you model ground in a video game do you know what i mean there's like a grid that goes over everything oh sure and then a spiky fruit appears uh, that's called a durian. Is it a durian? It's orange. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, know. I don't like. That's I'm... the only spiky fruit that I can think of off the so, top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess uh, Sonic is going around solving puzzles and exploring and finding different collectibles to figure out the mystery of this island. It looks interesting. It looks fun to play. I love the that they have rails all, all over the place. They look weird. They're just like floating in the sky. But like, you know what? That's probably probably what they look like when you're not in a level that's designed to make them look good all the time so <laughs> right i know a lot of people have been like sort of uh talking smack about the the rails and it is kind of weird that they're off in the distance but that for me as someone who just loves to waste time in open world games you know if i see something that's very small on the horizon i'm going to go find it until it's very big and so I have no problem with the weird rails. Tom, do you have any thoughts on Sonic Frontiers? 
Uh, I'm less optimistic, let's say. <laughs> um, I mean, Why I, is that? I'm, I'm always of the opinion that good or bad, you can never fully tell from a trailer or a gameplay. Like, I'm always of the, you know, we have to play it. We have to have people mm-hmm. who, you know, went on hands-on with it. And I believe Mitchell did get to play it. And so th- this isn't his him playing in this footage, but he did get to play it. Um, and so we'll hear, hear more about that through the IGN first. But, like, this this gameplay video did not do it for me. Like, I agree that the lighting is nice, but I think it is visually very confusing to me that it's this like weird hyper realistic world with this like sonic bumpers on it and like the world looks very devoid of life and it just is like a very strange this whole thing is a very strange choice to me and i'm not like it doesn't make me want to play more of it, but at the same time, I'm curious to see kind of... The other thing about it is this gameplay is like all, all these different sections kind of showing you different things that the game will have, and that's fine. It's just like I, I'm i I'm reserving full judgment until I know how those things fit together because I think that will probably make or break it in a big way. Um, and I kind of agree with Casey. I, I totally agree. I love when people, like developers, experiment and try new things, but... Sonic plus open area just like doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't, I don't know. I I'm I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical. Is all I'm saying. I'm not completely counting it out or anything. It's just not not something that looks overly inspiring to me initially. Yeah, and I think you're sharing a pretty common opinion. A lot of people didn't seem too thrilled on it, this it, latest. It seemed- yeah, it seemed relatively split. Like there are, as Casey just, you know, is one of them. There are definitely people who are not, you know, completely turned off by this. And I'm certainly not like in in concept. It's just, yeah, I was less less than impressed, I guess. Sure. Well, Kat, you were on a, a sea adventure and you had no idea that this even happened. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're like right off the cuff. Like this is the first time you're seeing it. So I'm interested to hear what your, your cat take is. On this new 3D Sonic. Zero out of ten. Not enough water. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I think the best case scenario is if it can feel really fun to just zoom around, bouncing off the environments, finding ways to get from point A to point B in really fun and crazy ways. I think that can be a lot of fun, actually. And like we're watching the B-roll right now, and I like the sense of speed as Sonic rushes around on the field, catches the different rails and everything. It makes me, in a weird way, think a little bit of a game like, say, Need for Speed or Forza Horizon, where I would be driving at a million miles per hour, hitting all of the stunts and loops and trying to build up my multiplier as much as possible. I don't see a multiplier in this particular footage. I, I wish that the oh, that's open next world week's big reveal. looked less generic and looked more like, you know, Sonic. I wish they would go for more of a kind of a Sonic aesthetic with the actual art design, um, because it looks the way it does, I can see why a lot of people are saying this basically looks like an Unreal Engine tech demo with Sonic in it. Right. So, um, I like like Tom. I'm kind of reserving my judgment on it. We'll we'll see. Um, there are definitely some choices made on this one, but my first thought is Xenoblade Chronicles X meets Sonic. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very interested, but in the most cautious possible way 
Um, yeah, it looks like it's it could, either. I think it time? looks fun. Yeah, I do. yeah, but it also looks like it could be just the. Worst. It could get boring very fast. <laughs> right, and and that's that's what I partly what I meant by like it depends on how these things come together, right? Like mm-hmm. it it really is going to depend on the connective tissue between whether running around and that feeling that sense of speed stays entertaining or is just becomes like you're running through nothing right like we we, there's absolutely no way we can tell from just seven minutes of kind of cut together gameplay and so yeah yeah and i think what's really gonna make or break for a lot of people is whether or not they have like a a weirdly attractive uh animal sidekick (laughs) that people want to make fan art of but we'll see maybe what I mean, not me personally. I just know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of video game characters out there that people have, you know, and I'm, I respect that. Have, have a thing for it. And that's cool. That's fine by me. Do what you need to do. But, so the yeah. more slash fiction this produces, the more successful it will be, in other words. Ultimately, yeah. I mean, all right. Sonic's success with its own fandom has always been so weird to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting what I was talking about in, like, in the trunk, and I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> but, um, uh, what was the game that came out uh, where you could like make your own character? The one that like, Sonic almost... Forces. Yeah, Sonic Forces. Not a great game, but some people really, really love it in spite of the fact that it's not a great game. And then we'll defend it, you know, to the death just because I don't know, man. Sonic fandom is is intense. My my youngest son was actually <laughs> he really liked Sonic for a long time. And then I just asked him one time, I was like, oh, there's, you know, something was coming out. And I was like, are you interested in that? He's like, no, I'm done with Sonic. He's like, the fandom is just too bad. Like, <gasps> he was like 12 at the time. He's like, I read it. That's so it. funny. I know. <laughs> he was done with, with Sonic at age 12. But yeah, Sonic Frontiers, if you haven't watched that gameplay trailer yet, it is on the site. It's, I think it's like very prominently displayed on the front page. But yeah, I'm, I'm, ad- I'm adopting a wait and see attitude i could see it being very fun or i could see it just being not fun at all. <laughs> i don't know i don't see and any... we'll have we'll have more this month right so we'll get yeah, to see I... more before long yeah and i'm hoping you know that the next thing that we see sort of gives us a little more idea of why sonic is running around in this big empty field and where the enemies are and cat i do agree i wish it did have a little bit of, bit more of that sonic aesthetic like why can't the hills be checkered i mean that's it's an easy one to be right there it's instantly recognizable, but we shall see. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want 
I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's talk about the big Nintendo news. Sonic, psh, so long, Sonic. Mario beat you. But now, so speaking of people having attractions Dang, to... Gauntlet thrown right there at the end of that segment. <laughs> well, it was true. Uh, yeah. There's never... I mean, almost every 3D Mario game has been wonderful, and very few 3D Sonic games have been... I'm sorry, wonderful. I didn't mean to open that Pandora's box. We None of them not. have reached the <laughs> Anyway, speaking the of attractive The best 3D Sonic game, game, game has, is not as good as the worst 3D Mario game. But, hey, guess... Yeah, speaking of... Uh, of uh, video game characters that people are horny for the new pokemon scarlet and violet trailer dropped we have a release date it's coming out november 18th that is right before black friday which i only know because of my day job we have new professors that everyone agrees are very good looking and normally i would be like that is weird and silly but i gotta say i might have gasped a little bit when they first introduced them because that is one hunky professor man and a very nice looking professor lady uh, Sada and Turo. And this is really cool. Somebody, uh, actually, uh, Luis Arce on the, fa oh, I don't think I said that right. Arce from the Facebook group said, as a Spanish speaker, I kind of saw this with the new Pokemon professors. Scarlet's professor is named Sada, which can be a play on the word Pasada or past. And she does have a primal look. And Violet's professor is Turo, which can be a play on Futuro, which is future because he does have a futuristic look. I thought that was... You took my thunder. I was going to say that. Oh, <laughs> now I feel bad. Rewind it back. No, don't, don't, that, don't, don't. Give that segment to Casey. But. I'm sure a lot of people made that conclusion. <laughs> well, I didn't. I think it. these professors look like they were imported from Boyfriend Dungeon. Yes! So. <laughs> <laughs> and like the duck. <laughs> and <Yeah>. the duck. <laughs> oh, we also got LeChonk, who's a, a little pig... Uh, pokemon that everyone is just losing their minds over and i gotta i gotta agree when i first saw actually Tom's got Taylor, a hot take 
Oh, let's hear this. Let's hear the Lich. Oh, what was, what was Seth saying when you first saw him? Well, no, I, what Taylor shared the uh, the picture of it in, excuse me, in the Nintendo voice chat Slack, and I thought it was like a meme, like somebody had made that up, because mm. it's Lechonk. It's it's so on the nose or the snout, as it were. But what's your hot take, Tom? Uh, see, this is this is. I wasn't going to bring this up because I didn't want to be like my first time back on NVC in a month. I hate everything. Like, oh no, <laughs> no. This is what we want. We want. My, we want wait, are adventurous... you a Lechonk hater? No, I I think Lechonk is very cute. I okay. think that nobody would care about Lechonk if it wasn't named Lechonk. I think you're wrong. I, I think, think look at right. him. I think it's a very generic pig Pokemon. And I think Wulu, as like the generic normal, like first normal creature you encounter, like runs circles around Lechonk oh, in yeah. all but name. <laughs> I completely agree. Like if this thing was named like Hogtor, like no one would care. No one would care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I, a Lechonk. the Lechonk slander. <laughs> yeah. Lechonk is a great example of wonderful branding. Yeah. yeah. That's Marketing true. I say, important. good on you, Game Freak. You made me care about this generic little normal pig Pokemon. <laughs> I think he's more than just a generic little pig. I think he's a cute. Oh, look how it moves! It's adorable. Yes, kind of comes waddling it out of the trundles. Yes, so that is the perfect. Yeah, it's the I trundle have, type Pokemon. I have a like a vendetta a little bit in Pokemon against Pokemon that are just normal animals. <laughs> like, like what is it? Ducklet, I think it is. Uh, like, yeah, you hate Squirtle. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, because Squirtle, Squirtle has a squirrel like, tail. Yeah, well, Squirtle also is like bright blue and like like that pig is just a pig. <laughs> that is, I mean, most of the 151 are normal animals that yeah. have a little bit of a twist on them. One of them of is a, literally a pile of like uh, trash, trash, not trash, but like muck, literal muck. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I the think Lechonk came later. I think Lechonk oh. is a great name, and I think it's a very cute pig Pokemon, and I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum no. for thinking that. <laughs> well, it's, then, good. I, to go further into Lechonk, too, if you look at the Pokemon website, they go they give us a little bit more details, and it looks very rotund and, and chonky, that's its name, but actually, it's all muscle, because it yeah. walks around so much looking for food, it's just pure muscle it's like kingpin so cool. (laughs) (laughs) when i returned from my adventures on on the sea i was like i've been off the grid i want to know what's been happening while i've been gone but only good news please and everybody responded to my fade with lechonk yes (laughs) so clearly lechonk has been brightening everybody's day yeah yes it struck a chord with people which i love yes we need that actually like probably half of the the responses to the question block query on facebook were just people saying like lechonk question mark have you seen lechonk he's great he's a wonderful little pig and he's got some like some something going on with his eyes there sleepy eye boogers yeah the sleepy eye boogers (laughs) and the perfectly sized nose and the right shade of pink oh it's it's great art design you know that pig is gonna is gonna evolve into just some horrible boar that, I, yeah. was, I was just gonna say i was Huge like yeah that's test. gonna be a a one evolution pokemon that is the worst like that you keep just because you like the name and you like him from whenever you know you, so first... you just keep it as a little baby pop belly pig you know the teacup pigs don't really exist they're just what? underfed regular pigs oh my god horrible horrifying normal pigs right so, so what i'm saying pigs. is lechonk is a trap don't don't it's adopt belly because it's gonna get huge 
Yeah. Right. If you, if you do adopt a Lechonk, make sure it's from a reputable breed. <laughs> my it, Lechonk actually looks very similar to my next door neighbor's uh, pig, pet pig that I ran into on a walk one morning. And I was very uh-huh. confused because for a second I thought it was a wild hog. And there's a wild – it was like the hog in front of me and then someone's off-leash dog behind me with no owner. And oh. luckily they entertained each other. Anyway – so uh, you were in the middle of a Pokemon fight. I you was. Then I out left. Of the way. <laughs> I did. I got out of the way. They entertained themselves. <laughs> uh, well, Pokemon. Pokemon loves doing this too, giving you just an adorable thing and then having it turn into a monster. Do you remember uh, Combi? Combi. Oh was, yeah, and to Vespaquin. Yeah, oh, Combi oh. was just adorable little honeycomb Honey bumblebee. Bee, yeah. And then the the female version of it turns into just this like horrifying wasp monster. <laughs> What, what about the, Litten uh, into? Uh, oh my god! Final, yeah, like yeah, everybody went. Right. What the heck is going on with Litten here? <laughs> yeah. If that He's happens, like, I was with... hoping for a tiger, and I got yeah. a pro wrestler. Yeah, like what happened, <laughs> Spurgatito? I swear to God, please don't get on two legs. Just don't do it. It's not natural. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> Stay. It's against nature. You can't. You can't fight against the evolutionary nature of of Pokemon. They become what they need to become to succeed. <sighs> In the natural world of Pokemon, so I mean, it's, I think Lechonk. I think there's a very good chance is going to be awful. Just a weird looking Gamorian guard that uh, throws mud at people. So bad news all around. Um, that's not true. Lechonk. Everyone loves Lechonk, but there's so much more to talk about because everyone also loves those. Uh, sexy, sexy professors. Is this the first <laughs> time that Pokemon has had uh, truly uh, hunky professor well... and? A beautiful lady, caveman lady professor. I think that's a matter of opinion, probably. That is true. I think you know like, what? That is true. Who's, is what is the Pokemon Go professor's name? Uh oh. Uh, well, I can't remember. I don't know. Somebody's well, screaming like, at their headphones. Right I now. mean, like, because some people like like Kukui, and like personally, I think Sycamore is cute. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, Pokemon Go's professor. I think that's what started the the purposeful attractifying of the pokemon professor started with pokemon go <laughs> look at toro's beard it's so it's it's lined up so perfectly like I think uh, professor willow sonia and Pro- so pokemon sword and shield oh. i think it started oh, yeah. with professor oak oh my god oh yeah he was a hottie <laughs> back in his day yeah good enough this for is... ash's mom that's all i'm saying oh yeah Are you... what oh ash's my god mom uh she has a unique taste i'll have to say <laughs> Mine. Yeah. Uh, are these the first professors that don't have uh tree names? Uh I I wouldn't be able to say I think uh, I I'm gonna double check myself right now, but I'm pretty sure that they are. I think you might be right. And this is the first one where the versions have different professors, if is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. So if you get uh Violet, you get Professor Sada or Sada. Uh, get, Violet, you get Totoro, and yeah. Scarlet, you get Sada. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And everybody wants, of course, Violet for the uh, carbon fiber Pokemon Legendary, whose name <laughs> escapes me right now. But, I don't know, a lot of people were clowning on that guy, too, and I thought I thought he was really cool. So, I guess, like, Professor Laventon in Legends Arceus technically isn't named after a tree. Yeah. But before that, yeah, they're all, they're all trees. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think this sort of like 
thing that they're doing with these these two versions of making them a little bit more different, you know, with like one being past and one being future, even in the legendaries too, or mm-hmm. uh, what is it, Coridon, the the mm-hmm. violet or the scarlet one is like got like From a big wheel in its chest that looks mm-hmm. like kind of a normal normal motorcycle, and Maridon, the other one, has like jets for jets. legs which yeah, is like really turbines. just up in the ante there yeah. also correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure karai has something to do with past in japanese and mirai has something to do with future again oh. um, i should look that up why are there um, so many levels of depth to pokemon like this they, is some... they've always loved playing with names like that i mean you know? i guess but it's it's just you wouldn't expect because everyone ancient just pokemon is this oh really kurai is ancient mm. Yeah, it means future. And Mirai is future. Yeah. So ancient dawn and future dawn. I always think of the Gundam character Mirai Yashima. Uh, (laughs) Mirai. So it's a a name, I guess. Yeah. What do you guys think about these legendaries? I think they're really cool. I think they're violent. I like the violet one. Yeah. And unfortunately, I I want to date the girl professor, but uh, (laughs) she's she's so cool. She's in Scarlet. Yeah. And I, but I want Violet, so I'm going to have a, a tough choice to make. Unfortunately, I don't think any of us could have foreseen choosing a version of Pokemon based on which professor we like more. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have to wonder now because traditionally it's always been like which legendary, and now it's going to be which professor. We it's need to do a pool. Up. It's like we, we need to do a poll. Like, are you choosing your professor based on which one you think is cooler, oh, or are you choosing a, your I'm professor based on up. which one you're more attracted to? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's a great poll for NBC at uh, NBC podcast on Twitter. Yeah, I, I wrote I'm that down. Violet this time around. I I'm gonna go. This is how I traditionally um, pick which Pokemon game I'm gonna get, and this is uh, actually it's not traditionally because it's only since I've worked here. I look at the data that we get on Amazon as to which version <laughs> is selling more, and I get the one that sells less because I'm a contrarian. And I <laughs> always buy the least popular one. It used I to be am... because I would buy whichever ones my kids didn't want. So then we could have, you know, uh, each have the version there. But now I just, I'm probably going to get Violet, even though I want, or Scarlet, even though I want Violet more. Well, the I multiplayer like... thing kind of opens up this whole conversation of which one you're going to get in a really interesting way now, right? Oh, yeah. Because if you can have I, the fact that you can play apparently up to four, we don't know a ton about this yet, right? But you can apparently have four player co-op where you're all running around the world together is yeah. really significant in terms of version differences because it means you're not just like catching the Pokemon that aren't in the other game and trading them like potentially, and we don't know if this is exactly how this is going to work yet, but potentially, you know, Cat could get Violet and I could get Scarlet and then Cat could just come into my Scarlet game and catch the Pokemon she wants or meet the professor that she likes or whatever, you know, and like that's, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of expands because that could be way more fun than just trading. Yeah, I so agree. And look, that was the first thing that jumped out at me was a four player co-op. And I immediately turned to my partner. I'm like, we're going on a Pokemon adventure together, right? She's like, oh, <laughs> There's going to be co-op that instantly makes me want to play because she had never really been into the, you know, the normal Pokemon games. She had gotten into it through Pokemon Go. Sure. And that's what she enjoyed playing. So hearing that we could potentially play a co-op version of Pokemon like instantly made her more excited. And that might make Pokemon Violet and Scarlet more successful than it has been in a while. 
Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Uh, now, do we know? I I, can't, I don't know if this is confirmed or not, or if this was just wild playground rumors. But I was reading that it is open world, and you can go to the gyms in any order. Is that yes? Is that confirmed? Also, okay. one second. I think I just. I think. All right. I have a prediction. Okay. Uh, Maridon and Crydon are going to have different forms, and Maridon is going to have a different form where it's an aerial uh, vehicle. And Kuraidon is going to have a form where it's a an aquatic vehicle because its feet and hands are webbed. All right. Huh. That is my prediction. Anyway, multiplayer. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yes, we have confirmed it is an open world RPG where the story will not contain where you have to go next. But we don't have any other details. Like, you can move around freely and your... It did say that your friends and you can explore the different regions of this location. Right, Spain. Poke Spain. <laughs> Poke Spain. Yeah, we yeah. still don't so have a, a name. They're finally breaking the format in a way that's really meaningful and makes me excited to play the solo adventure for the first time in a very long time. And I think I hope that it's even more non-linear than Pokemon. Uh, Legends Arceus in that regard. I I think that uh, it makes me think a little bit of A Link Between Worlds, where you could just take the items and visit the dungeons in any order, and that like refreshed mm. the Zelda formula for me and made me uh, really enjoy that particular version ahead of Breath of the Wild's release. So um, I've traditionally had a hard time getting through the Pokemon single player, because I tend to see it as a glorified tutorial ahead of the, you know, the multiplayer and the trading and the community stuff. And now I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. I want to go explore this world. Yeah. I hope that they, I I hope that they do what you're saying too, of like really leaning into it and letting you have the freedom. My like fear is that they're going to be like, you can go anywhere. And then as soon as you like go off the path, they want you to go on, like all the Pokemon will be 20 levels higher than you and you have no chance anyway. Like that's my my fear. I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to happen. I don't think that's like a for sure thing or anything. But like, yeah, I, I agree. I really hope that they just are like trying something different. I'm yeah, curious I, as to what most people would prefer. Would they prefer to have areas with Pokemon that are like very high level? Uh, that kind of acts as a artificial as an artificial barrier but that would also increase the difficulty if you wanted to go that route. You can make things hard sure. for yourself on purpose. Or if they would prefer something more like, I think, uh, like Assassin's Creed does does this, where it, uh, what is that? What is that mechanic? Level called? scaling. Scaling, yeah. Level. It has level scaling. I'm yeah. curious oh, yeah, to see like what more Elder people Scrolls. would prefer. Mm, I don't like. I don't like uh, level scaling at all. It also depends want, on how. I want the hard stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I, think, I, 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 I sympathize with that too. Like it, it. Level scaling can be really boring if you, if done wrong, right? Because then there's no there's no f- sense like you're actually getting stronger if everything is just like gonna be the same level as you no matter what you're doing. Like that, I that can go wrong too. So yeah, yeah I'm really curious to see how they they handle this. Well, I think, and I'm, we, again, we don't have any reason to believe that there'll be any sort of mechanic to keep you from wandering off the beaten path. Sure, but I think that it's more likely it would just be like. Uh, a professor would jump out of the bushes and be like, whoa, you're not ready to go there yet. Turn around. And the game would turn you around and walk you three steps back. So that, that's my theory right there. Not to say that it's going to happen, but 
Yeah, personally, I, I would a really prefer... good open world game can provide the illusion of uh, freedom while mm. also having very specific gates that aren't extremely intrusive, but nevertheless exist. And I don't know, I think a game like Elden Ring is a good recent example where they start yeah. you in a sandbox that's relatively open and you can go in a lot of different directions. And then as you progress through the game, then you kind of open the next biome and continue onward that has higher mm -hmm. level enemies. I think having full run of the region right away is going to be a little bit hard to manage, but I, I'm expecting something kind of in that vein. Well, now when Legends Arceus was for, we was first shown off, we all thought that was open world and it was more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a spoked wheel sort of experience. You had contained regions that yeah. you can moved onward. I wouldn't be shocked if they went in that direction with this game. I think that's probably the most likely thing that they would do because you can have your cake but, and eat it so too there. Here's as far the thing, marketing. here's the thing though. They never said that Legends Arceus was an open world. They never <gasps> said that. Oh, but they really? did specifically say that Scarlet and Violet is an open world RPG. Oh, so damn. their marketing is different. Oof. That changes that everything. That is notable. I agree. The thing that I'm wondering is when we first revealed Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, the discourse was, will the catchy mechanics be back to the original Pokemon? Mm. Or is it going to be more like Legends Arceus? And I'm wondering, do we have more clarity on that now? Or so yes. Um, after the mm -hmm. first, um, after the first trailer, they had some small text in their website that isn't there anymore. But I, I, I documented it on our wiki. If you want to go look at that, Ooh, um, where and can it people says, find that? Best uh, business. IGN Scarlet and Violet wiki. IGN Pokemon Scarlet Violet wiki, and it should should come up here. Let's see. Let's do the test. Uh, here, I'm just going to go read my own wiki real quick. Hold nice. Uh, hey, here's the quote. Nothing wrong um, with that. It says, you'll be able to experience the true joy of the Pokemon series battling against wild Pokemon in order to catch them. Right. So this says you, you basically have to battle against wild Pokemon in order to catch them, which I was not the case in Legend Ar Legends Arceus. Love that mechanic. You have to beat them up a little bit to make them do what you want them to do. It's a weird, it, weirdly violent uh, mechanic in the Pokemon games. You have to punch a Pokemon. You have to have one Pokemon punch the other one until it almost dies, and then he's your buddy. Eventually. Yeah, I don't know how that works either, but it, I I don't think anyone's come up with a better a better way. No, I have no I have no qualms with the. Pokemon Actually, there are there are other ways in some games, and those methods aren't fun <laughs> that I have right. encountered so far. Like Watch Arc, it. Arc has a mechanic where you just have to follow a docile animal around and like feed it its favorite food favorite food until it likes you and god it takes so long and it's annoying <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible oh another thing i wanted to mention real quick was that toby fox did some of the music for this upcoming pokemon game which sounds pretty exciting um i did not like the music in pokemon arceus at all. In fact, the reason that I fell off of it was because the music just sounded weird and the town music sounded like uh, it never resolved the way that I expected it to and it just made me feel ill. And so I'm hoping mm. that the music here is real good and real nice. Toby Fox has, has got some musical chops. So excited this for is that. the third Game Freak game that Toby Fox has composed for, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I believe Toby Fox did something in Sword and Shield. 
Yes. I, and and then also did some music for Little Town Hero, which was their mm-hmm. like non-Pokemon other RPG thing. Oh, okay. I think he made a joke that his music in Scarlet and Violet aren't, isn't going to be optional this time. Because <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's the field music. Oh, man. That'd yeah. be some good. That'd be Just some Megalovania good playing over the field music the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> It goes with everything. It makes everything more dynamic. So I'm in favor of that. So there it is. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. We have a new trailer. You can check that out right now. Go watch it. I watched it and I was actually really impressed by it. I was not expected to expecting to be. And I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this also, one in the fall. We also didn't even mention there are two other new Pokemon that they revealed. Palmy, which is the new electric mouse Pokemon, and Smoliv, which is a small olive. It's very cute. Yes. Uh, you, can, you can read more about these Pokemon on the new Pokemon page on our IGN wiki for Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Okay, anyway. Which you should do right after you get done listening to this episode. Gotta say, I was not expecting 2022 to be the year of Pokemon. No. No. Not at all. I. But I, for one, am here for it. I... Uh, I, I feel like the, the discourse has not been horrible and toxic yet. So yeah. I feel like generally it's been positive, which is unheard of. This is the most this... positive people have been. Po- this year has been the most positive people have been about Pokemon in years. I yeah. Think. I think everyone is, is pretty excited for this one. It's I'm really excited to see how it all shakes out. I think that's what the most exciting thing is for me. I just want to see how it works. It's I know they're going to do a good job with it. And I'm just excited to see how they go about uh, reaching that goal. All right. Well, we have Tom and Casey on the show, which means that we have some Monster Hunter news. This was uh, a Casey DeFridis special right here, actually. Casey, you uh, interviewed the developers. And I'm just going to let you talk about it because I don't oh understand gosh. any of it. I need to reference my own article. I, I just wrote it and I still like. <laughs> but oh, that's okay. hey, anyway, um, Long story short, Ligayacris won't be in Sunbreak. I talked to them about a bunch of other things. And I, I spoke to um, Ryozo Sujimoto and um, the director, Yoshitake Suzuki. And I got a bunch of other tidbits out of it. But the I felt like the biggest news out of this was that, like I just said, Ligayacris isn't going to be in Sunbreak. Um, Ligayacris was the flagship monster for Monster Hunter Tri. It was pretty much built to have underwater deep sea combat and there is no underwater combat in rise there hasn't been in a monster hunter game since try and three ultimate um i think that underwater combat was a little bit divisive maybe more so over in the west than it was in japan um i honestly it's been such a long time since i played three ultimate i don't remember hating it it was just kind of difficult to get used to like but that's how a lot of unique mechanics are, right? Like you're going to have to do it a lot to not be confused by it. I mean, it's a whole other axis of play. So you have to get used to also going up and down freely while fighting a giant monster that is better than you in the water. So it was a little bit difficult. But anyway, they did go on to say that the desire is definitely there. Um, but unfortunately, the Gyarados is just a very technological, difficult monster to implement. It's very snake-like. Its parts are all kind of touching the ground in different moments. So it's very like a writhing sort of ground-based monster. This was a translated um, interview, by the way. Um, and they said, we'd like to look back on it sometime, but just the technological difficulties, they are kind of daunting. And I was curious because they actually put Gyarados 
is in the prototype for Monster Hunter World a few years back. And there was a 2018 GDC talk uh, where they showed that, but they didn't really go into much detail as to why they ended up abandoning it. So I did some research and found a video by Gaijin Hunter who translated a Capcom Monster Hunter radio podcast where Kaname Fujioka, who's been uh, an executive director at for Monster Hunter for many years, also describing why they had to abandon the guy. I keep saying Legiacris too. I think it's it's actually Legiacris. <laughs> I just got so used to calling it Legiacris um, because I know, but it is it's wrong. I'm saying it wrong, and I acknowledge it. It's just I didn't have any other friends who liked Monster Hunter when I was playing this game, so I made up my own pronunciations. All right, so, <laughs> um, but Legiacris, um, I'm gonna get used to saying it correctly now. So he said the same thing about Legiacris. It um, there's just too much of its body lying on the ground, and that doesn't bode well with the slopes and inclines and declines in the terrain in recent Monster Hunter games. It's just difficult to it's difficult to translate into the new games. Um, and I also saw a lot of people asking like well there are other leviathans in the game a leviathan is a type of monster that legiacris is it's like a legiacris looks like a crocodile type monster who swims in the ground but with like longer neck and longer tail and uh i i think it's very cool i think legiacris is an awesome monster it's one of my favorite um so mizutsune and almadron are also leviathans however if you actually look at how they move around on the map their legs are longer, so their body isn't in contact with nearly as much as in, of the ground as Legiacris's. So it makes it uh, easier for the developers to deal with than with Legiacris. Um, and people will also mention, well, Legiacris was in Generations Ultimate, which didn't have underwater combat, but Generations, well, I guess Generations, specifically Generations, ran on the same engine as try and uh as three ultimate did which Ligurius was in so that probably made it a little bit easier to <laughs> implement it in there um as it was also using uh similar some of the same maps including the flooded forest i'm giving you a whole like rundown of the whole article i'm good you're good i think you guys know enough you can read the article for more details <laughs> so so the question i have because i i got into monster hunter with world and the question i have is there are so many monsters in the mm -hmm. history of Monster Hunter, but the community in, in the conversations I had with you, the community seems to kind of have rallied around this one as like one they've been calling for and hoping for. So like, why, I guess like, why is this monster like sort of more hoped for than, you know, the dozens of others that aren't in Rise mm -hmm. or World and all that stuff? So first of all, I think Legiacris was a flagship monster. So it was on the cover of Monster Hunter Tri and was used very much in the marketing for that game. So it's kind of has the same kind of notoriety, notoriety as a monster like Gormagala or um, maybe maybe not quite as much as Rathalos, but the Faded Four for generations. Like the cover monsters are the ones that people ha get a lot of visibility and are often talked about very early on in the game that you're playing. So Legiacris was mentioned and was like the first boss. So like most people who played that game fought Legiacris. So I think more people just have exposure to it. And I also think it's just become a little bit of a meme. Um, there are some community members uh, like banned their 
handle on Twitter is uh, Bandino, but their name is Bandligigris, and they do a lot of lore and update a lot of the fandom wiki for Monster Hunter. And I think it's just kind of become a meme in the community that like Ligiris is never coming back and it's disrespected. Gotcha. <laughs> Too much Ligiris. And uh, I, I know a lot. A lot of people also just didn't like the way its kit was when it was on land only as well. So it's like, do we really want it back in like a kind of impaired state anyway I mean, without the underwater combat? This is a great opportunity to reimagine it then um, <sighs> in a way that true. can work. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a kind of an aqua setting because a lot of Monster Hunter games do have monsters that fight in the water without being annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And like they do have Almadron has that thing with the mud where he like kind of mm-hmm. sticks out of it and the rest of his body is, I guess, in the mud. <laughs> but yeah, they would just have to, I don't know if they would want to reimagine an iconic monster like that, though. Like mm. why? Like it would be kind of like reimagining like the Pokemon company would never like reimagine a Pokemon to make it work in a new game because that would be ruining that Pokemon's image for the foreseeable future. Right. So well then, then you well then uh, this would probably be outside the scope of a game like Sunbreak, but bringing back the water combat in a way mm-hmm. that feels a lot better than it did back in uh, Three Ultimate. I know. So Fujioka-san, um, Kaname Fujioka, he did say that he's very attached to water combat and does want to bring it back. Um, and they considered it for World, but because of how much time and effort it takes to make it work well, they left it behind in order to focus on other things about the game instead. This is a, a quote from a, a GameSpot at a, it was a, for a preview event. They were talking about that. Um, so world, world, if we kind of look at world as like a big shift in that series, right. And they had to do a ton of work to get it working and rise is sort of like a sidestep from that. Maybe they're looking at, maybe they don't want to redo it because they're looking at, adding water in now that like the heavy work of changing the engine to this world kind of setup has been done. And now maybe they're thinking about water. That would be interesting. I don't inherently hate the idea of water combat outside of what I know from other games, which is that water levels are usually very frustrating. (laughs) The clear solution is to have something, the equivalent of a Palamute, but for water, like Uh, essentially a dolphin dolphin, or something that you can ride in the water. Yeah. because mobility is kind of an mm-hmm. issue in the water, right? Sure. So yeah. If you can make it fun to be in the water fighting these, uh, you know, aqua monsters, then that could be kind of unlocking that. Of course, it's adding more mechanics. It's more complications and that kind of thing. And I can understand why they want to focus on the more traditional core strengths of the series. But if if you want to do water combat again in a way that's right that would probably be the way i would go because palamutes in particular were uh so well received with uh with uh, rise yeah yeah, yeah i we'll agree with we'll that see. i want to ride a dolphin i would jump right back Let's go into monster, hunter. monster hunter dolphins yeah <laughs> it's, it's all about water for me these days i don't know oh uh, yeah i want to ride it, a dolphin now or it sounds incredible it's fun or it's a good time you just give your your palamute a little scuba mask <gasps> Flippers. Also very yeah. Cute. I like oh my god, too. I'm in. All right. I mean, a dog is uh, very close to a seal or a sea lion, so it wouldn't be very hard to just change up the. Oh. Like I'm, t- I'm talking like I know anything about game development. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> turn the, the gravity settings down, and you know, 
35 percent and then it's like you're in the water it's it's simple as that I did learn a couple of other things from my interview that didn't make it into that article that wasn't enough to warrant like full articles. I'm just going to give you the practical stuff. Um, So for Iceborne for World, they released some free armor and other incentives to make it easier to get through the base game to get to Iceborne, but they're not doing that with Rise. There are currently some, their defender weapons and the black belt uh, armor set that's only for low rank basically so they're not going to implement anything else in there to help you get through high rank so if you want to play sunbreak when it's out you should start rise now (laughs) wow pretty much yeah yeah, there's been some debate in our group about whether or not we wanted to get the pc version of rise because we want that 60 fps we've been playing a lot of iceborne and we're like oh god like it's so hard to go back to the nintendo switch uh for rise but also rise had it felt like a lot more grinding uh, to be able to get to a certain level. And we spent so much time uh, getting to the level where we are. So I think we're just going to end up s- sticking with yeah. Nintendo Switch for some break because I just don't think we want to go through that grind again. And if Capcom's not adding any additional help uh, in that regard, that just makes that decision that much easier, I think. Yeah. They they did say they're going to keep an eye on players' progression to make sure that they are able to get to Sunbreak in a reasonable time. But I I don't... I think if people buy the expansion, they're going to get to it. So, <laughs> I don't understand why they're not incentivizing double dipping with Rise on the PC because I think that our group would be 100% ready to move mm-hmm. over to PC and we would be happy to spend the money to do it. But mm-hmm. they make it so difficult by not being able to allow us to transfer our saves or anything. Mm-hmm. We'd probably have to edit a save file in order to be able to do what we we're not going to play through the whole game again. So yeah. I just don't understand what Capcom's doing in that regard. Yeah, I don't know. I know like you can, you can get to the point you need to to access Sunbreak and like if you rushed through it and maybe if you had people help you, maybe like what, like 35 hours, Tom? Uh, so I'm replaying, I'm playing through on PC right now. Um, and according to my steam log, I'm about to get, you have to get HR seven, basically mm-hmm. kind of complete the main story stuff. Um, and I think I should be able to do that in the next two, like day or two. And I have 19 hours on my steam account. So probably if you're really rushing, you can get there in like 20 to 25. Okay. Better than my 35 to 40 estimate for sure. Yeah, but it's still a, a lot. And you're doing mm-hmm. that if as a first playthrough, that's difficult because like I already played through it on Switch. So I know sort of exactly like what equipment I'm looking for. I know exactly like which side quests and optional things I want to be prioritizing. Like there's there's a lot that comes from the experience of having already done it once that just smooths out like, okay, I don't need to waste my time grinding for you know, this piece of armor or that weapon, because I know I just want this one. And like, if you're, I think it's probably closer to 40 if you're doing it on a first playthrough for sure. Yeah. There are also those side quests to unlock the sub camps and stuff. And that's just, right. it just takes time. Yeah. Well, there it is. That is monster hunter news. Thank you, Casey for that. Sorry. <laughs> you have no reason to apologize. Anytime monster hunter comes up, there's like a part of the, of the listenership that just really, really loves it and they love the fact that i just don't say anything the whole time because i don't know what i'm talking about and i can't i can't offer anything constructive other than maybe i'll throw in a joke here seth you should play it it's so i know good. i i have it my youngest son and i we were gonna play it together and then he got 
off doing his thing. And now all he wants to do is play Metal Gear Rising Revengeness uh, over and over again because it's seen this weird resurgence. Hey, you know what? Actually, bring that to Nintendo Switch. That was an Xbox 360 game, wasn't it? That'll Revengeance? Run yeah, Revengeance. Yeah, I think Revengeance getting a remaster feels inevitable at this point because it's just kept rising in people's esteem over the years. Yeah. And I think a Nintendo Switch version would be amazing, but, you know, Konami. Question. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I was gonna say I don't think anything Metal Gear is inevitable <laughs> anymore. It's so frustrating. The, like just the first three <laughs> games, the first three Metal Gear Solid games on a Switch yeah, collection as pachinko machines. So yes, easy. yes. I mean, <laughs> Konami has been more interested in cashing in on its legacy franchises. Lately. That's true. I mean, just look at Castlevania yep. and whatnot. I yep. understand that Metal Gear is a different story for various reasons, but yeah. I don't know, like. I wouldn't be that shocked if Revengeance uh, ended up being remastered. Sure, I would love so, it. Certainly, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. They've they've been enjoying their kind of looking back and nostalgically recently. And it Platinum like, needs to work. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was in like the top ten concurrent player games on Steam like very recently. It's just it's a really good game. It's yeah. so fun. I reviewed it back in the day. I loved oh, wow. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, I think it's still on. The, if you go to oneup.com, I think Revengeance is still like the the link to the review. The review is not there. I don't remember where I reviewed it, but I, oh. I I definitely reviewed it. It was short, and the action was incredible. The music was wonderful. Um, it was just flat out crazy. Yep. They took what was basically a proof of concept demo from Kojima and turned it, fleshed it out into a full blown game, and it worked so really good. well. Yeah. Good on Platinum. One of their better efforts, I think. I think that was probably my Seth's soapbox then, is bring that to Nintendo Switch. <laughs> my, my youngest Good son. Good Seth's soapbox. I agree be, with you. Yeah, he'll be very excited to play it on the Nintendo My Switch. cat take is that I agree with you, Seth. Yes! We did it. We came together. <laughs> I was struggling, too, because I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about. I'm like, my son's last day of school ever was today, and I'm kind of sad now. Forever? Wow. Yeah, he graduated. graduates on Tuesday. Congratulations. So, so many milestones. It's very strange to feel this old when you don't actually feel old, but the, all the evidence points to the contrary. So, yeah, congratulations <laughs> to my son who does never has to go back to school again. Which Oh, now I can tell him. Be like, son, I've been wanting to tell you this all along, but school sucks. It's the worst. And I know you know the losers, but I wanted, yeah, I wanted him to like not have that attitude. So, Good on me. I feel like I, I'm the real winner here. So um, real quick, let's talk about reasons we love the Nintendo GameCube. This week, it's that beautiful, beautiful startup sound, which is also the new it. NVC startup sound. Uh, you know, it goes... That was a great rendition. Thank you. I was thinking Thank of doing you. it, and I was like, there's no way I can accomplish that. But you did, Seth. You Thank accomplished you so it. so much. There's a little uh, Bobby McFerrin acapella action right there. <laughs> I would say that the, the GameCube startup sound is the best, followed very, very closely by the original PS1. Just that boom, that sort of noise that the PS1 makes. But uh, I did not know this until maybe two years ago that you could actually change the sound. By holding down different buttons on the on the GameCube controller, that is not something I knew during the GameCube days, and now I don't have my GameCubes anymore, so I can never experience it for myself firsthand. So that's a huge bummer. But that is our very quick this week because we are our 
we have other things we need to get to. But that is the, one of the reasons we love the Nintendo GameCube is that Wait. just that lovely little startup. Set. Quick, quickly, can I ask, did anybody yes. else do that thing with the GameCube startup where you held a button to make it go to the like memory card menu, but you tried to see like how long you could hold it without it actually mm. getting to the menu? I used I, to always do that. <laughs> That's very specific, Tom. Yeah, I would like I would like try to see how much I could get the GameCube to spin without it actually going to the menus. And the, anyway, it's just like one I of love, those very nostalgic things. I'm gonna me. try that now. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that startup sound with the GameCube because it actually it made the GameCube feel next gen compared yeah. to the PlayStation or the Nintendo 64. Just the way that the boxes moved, um, they had that kind of nice 3D way. They formed the GameCube logo, and then the Boom, boom. Uh, yep. with that very specific um, stereo sound that kind of gave it a the, the sense of being technologically improved. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know, when I heard it the first time, I remember thinking, this is definitely a next-gen console, the Nintendo yeah. GameCube. So. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the, the GameCube was more powerful than the PlayStation 2. Oh yeah, uh, which it was I about did. about as powerful as the as the Xbox, the original Xbox. Um, but the Xbox had a few more options and everything. But yes. the GameCube got unfairly maligned in its day. Yeah, oh, I'm glad that everybody loves it. <laughs> uh, the Xbox, the original Xbox startup sound, the worst. I hated it. I hated everything about starting that. I hated the UI. I hated the original <laughs> Xbox um, startup sound. That weird, like crinkling, ugh, gross, disgusting, glowing. There's green. certain consoles that. When you see that startup sound, you just get transported to a different time and place. Oh, the GameCube's like that. The Dreamcast the, is like that. The sound to a of blades. Extent, the Xbox 360 <laughs> is like that. On the uh, Xbox 360, the blade interface was the absolute greatest thing that Xbox ever did. Yeah, and every time <laughs> I hear it, I am right back to. I still love the pretentious uh, uh, symphonic or orchestra <laughs> tuning up for the PS3. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it yeah. Just it sets the mood for the entire platform. Well, I mean, people were willing to work two jobs just to buy one, so you have to give them something <laughs> high class uh, when, it, when you turn it on for the very first time and then go out and buy a $40 HDMI cable. Uh, <laughs> In case you don't remember, HDMI cables used to be really expensive, and those consoles didn't include them in the box. So, man, I could talk about uh, startup sounds forever, <laughs> but because now I'm thinking about like oh, all of those great Macintosh uh, startup sounds over the years that that you know they used to do it, which every model had its own stuff. Okay, anyway, let's talk about <laughs> what we've been playing. Cat, I know you've been on the high seas, but I you have had some time to play some some games. So what have you been playing? So while I was on the high seas, one of the things I did was take a tour of Richard Branson's island. It's called Necker Island. And it's not too far from Virgin Gorda in the British Virgin Islands. And you take a you take a boat over there. It's this amazing private island. There are lemurs there. I had oh, lemurs climbing on my shoulders. No way. There are like giant tortoises just chilling. Giant tortoises look like animatronic creatures. I thought I was hanging out with like a dinosaur from Jurassic You're in like real world, like a Pokemon game yeah. in real life. Oh, giant tortoises are so cool. So yeah, I had lemurs on me and everything. But while I was walking around Necker Island and thinking about why this place resonated with me so much. I was like, oh my God, Richard Branson took my Animal Crossing Island and turned it into reality. <laughs> this is what it's like to actually walk around my Animal Crossing Island. Oh, um, there is this amazing uh, mansion that was sitting on top of this 
uh, high cliff base with these incredible porches and views and everything. And so it inspired me on my flight home to go back into my island for the first time in like five months and actually clean it up, walk around and just enjoy the sights and everything. And I was like, wow, if I could only make this a reality, I too could be like Richard Branson. And that's what <laughs> I've been playing. That is, that is going to be hard to tell. I have lemurs on my island now. Not that this is a competition or anything, but Casey, what have you been playing? Um, I haven't been playing a ton on the Switch, but I did play some Mario Kart over Ooh, nice. the weekend. We had a few people over and set up a bunch of different like game stations. We had Jackbox, Mario Kart. Oh my God, what a Towerfall! Really? When I have people come Dragon over, I'm like, you want some coffee? Oh, and Smash! So much. Towerfall Casey's is... like, welcome to my arcade. <laughs> yeah, we made it's an arcade fun everywhere. <laughs> we made Towerfall... an arcade holds Powerful. up as one of the best it party does. games ever it is so much fun it's a great four player it's so it's so great there's so many different rules and different maps you can choose from we play that all day i have six player. powerful now my yeah. god six player <laughs> six on players too. on switch yeah what so insane we we played it we so we didn't actually play mario kart though we played Cario mart um Wait, please explain so uh you have a, a cup of drink and mm -hmm. you cannot you cannot drink and drive, so you got to put your controller down, and you have to finish your drink before you finish the race. Oh my god, that sounds horrible! It's it was great. It's very fun. Highly recommend. <laughs> That's Play how with real water. life works too, right? It's a great. Yes. It's yeah. It is also how real life works, but it's also yep. a good way to get hydrated with water. Absolutely, I was gonna say they got that new that Gator Gator Light, which is the the, the extra hydrating Gatorade. So imagine how hydrated you'd be Casey's with all those Casey's pick is 10 out of 10. Plenty of water. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, anything else that you've been playing? Or was that was that Cario Mart it? We don't have any B-roll for Cario Mart. I'm no, I played, I played Apex Legends, but not on the Switch because it's not no, good on the Switch. It's not good on the Switch. So. Oh, no. That's, that's all right. I mean, Fair. it's passable on the Switch. If you only it's, have a Switch. I'm sure it, it is passable. You're right. It, yeah. it performs but better on the Switch than ways. I would assume. But yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Tom, what have you been playing? I mean, you did have some time on your hands. I did. Yeah. So uh, as Seth alluded to, for those who didn't don't know, uh, I got married two weeks ago and then I went to Hawaii and caught COVID in uh, on the plane over and had to quarantine in my hotel room for uh, a, a little like about a week. And it was a bummer. I'm, we were okay. I had like a pretty bad fever the first day and then kind of was like sick. It was not fun, but it was like, you know, not life threatening either. Um, thankfully. And, uh, we had a lot of time locked in the hotel room. So what we did is we managed to, uh, on hotel Wi-Fi because it's only like a gig download Oof. Stardew Valley on both of our switches <laughs> Um, and then Stardew Valley has local wireless play. And so we started a farm. Oh <laughs> and my god. That we, is so we, wholesome. We spent a decent amount of uh of that quarantine period farming, which Aww. was which was really fun. It was great. Yeah. That game is still phenomenal. It's still a lot of fun co-op, right? Like it is just it's it's still so good. We had to buy it on both of the switches, despite because I just didn't we just didn't own it on Switch for some reason. And I like have bought that game on 
you know, PC and all these other platforms. Yeah. And it's one of those games where I'm like, yeah, I'll give you 15 or 30 more dollars again. <laughs> like, yes, this game is worth it, right? Like, it is absolutely worth it. Um, Hallmark of many strong marriages, Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was Wait, fun. So who goes into the dungeons and who does the farming? She, she, relationship? 100% she's the dungeon. She all, nice, she goes nice. straight for the killing. And, and I'll do the planting and the fishing. And Aww. that's that's kind of always how it's been. It, just just to get sappy for a second, it's hilarious how much that has always been our kind of like gaming habits. We used to play a lot of Civilization together and I would always go the culture wins and she would always be like, no, like build troops. What are you doing? Yes. <laughs> I've never like known her. anybody to go yeah. for the culture wins other than to try to get the like achievement. I'm always just like, let me get nukes really? before everybody else and everyone it's else. It's so is- much harder to go with a military win in Civ. Yeah. Like in Civ 5, I would play as France and just destroy everybody with the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was what we did. Uh, I, I was playing some Rogue Legacy 2 before that. Uh, Rogue Legacy 1 eventually came to Switch. I hope Rogue Legacy 2 comes to Switch because it's really, really good and people should play it. But mostly it's been Monster Hunter and Stardew recently. <laughs> There's nothing nice. wrong with that. I think that's a, a congratulations. perfect Yes, mm-hmm. congratulations Thanks. to Congrats. Tom. Yeah. And Mrs. Tom. I don't, <laughs> I don't know your wife, so uh, that's why I have to make up her name is. Uh, well, I've been playing a little game called KO the Kangaroo. Uh, well, yeah. I know we reviewed and we gave it a seven. I didn't review it. Uh, I don't remember who did. And uh, I've, I've been playing it on my OLED. It looks beautiful. The colors are just like amazing. That is not a game for me. That is not a Seth Mesa game, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so I'm probably not going to stick with it. I gave it a shot. There are some difficult uh, difficulties actually playing it on Switch uh, portable. Mm. One of the attacks is the the tail attack where you have to push the Y and the B, but the way that my thumb is, I have kind of big hands. I can't push the Y and the B at the same time without hitting the uh, the control stick. So like. I had a very hard time doing that uh, hmm. jumping spinning kick. And the other thing is, and maybe it's in a menu that I couldn't find, but I searched, is there's no invert camera control. And that oh, might be the biggest no. reason. Yeah, that might be the biggest reason why I, I'm not going to be sticking with it because I have to invert. Unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe if they patch that in, I, I'll, I'll revisit it again. But also yeah. I wasn't, you know, when that sort of style of game was really popular, I wasn't into that kind of game. So I, I know that this is, I don't want to say it's like a, uh, it's an, it's a nostalgia play, but I don't want to say like a cynical one. I think it's a, from a place of love, obviously. But it's also, I just don't really have nostalgia for that era of 3D platformers. So. Yeah, for, for anybody who doesn't know, because I thought this was like a brand new, I wasn't familiar with it before. K.O. the Kangaroo was a Dreamcast console exclusive. Yep. Um, Back and in like 2000. Yeah, yeah. And they had they made like one direct sequel and a couple spinoffs. And this is the first game it's had in like almost two decades. Um, yep. And it is that sort of tie the Tasmanian tiger oh yeah sort of platformer collectathon sort of thing um and yeah it's gotten a mixed reception i believe a reviewer for that was a, a freelancer named henry stockdale who we've been really has been great he's been on the site more and more recently um and i think the reception has generally been like 
this is fine nostalgia for that, but not like overly impressive or anything. And if yeah. you have nostalgia for that, you'll probably enjoy it more than if you didn't. Yeah. And that's the sense that I got. I was like, well, if I if I were into this game type, I would be more into this game. But I'm just right. I'm not. But invert that invert that camera control and uh, we'll, we'll revisit <laughs> it. So and then the other game I've been playing is, of course, as I mentioned, every time I have, you know, my CRT now, my beautiful 19 inch flat screen CRT. And I've been playing Metroid for the NES on the original cartridge, on the original hardware. And uh, uh, that is just a, a very fun game. It's not as good as Super Metroid. It's not as good as Metroid Dread. But there is something wonderful about playing through Metroid on the original NES. I'm always surprised. First of all, I'm always surprised how much I remember of the path. But more than that, I'm always surprised by how much I've forgotten. Every time. I could play it back to back and I would completely forget where stuff was and, and which you know pathways to go. So I love, I love playing Metroid on my big beautiful crt tv over here oh uh, a bonus i actually haven't been playing this but i'm restoring a commodore vic 20 huh how do you Ooh. like that i went to uh, visit my brother and uh i was we were at a thrift thrift store and i was like oh, i'm always looking for old computers because i want to restore them he's like well how old i was like i don't know 90s 80s 70s he's like do you want a, a vic 20 like, yes i do so we went to his house and Basically, my brother, he's like a like a red dragon sleeping on top of a, a horde of unbelievable electronics that he has found. He was at his town uh, municipal waste center one day when someone happened to bring an Apple Lisa to be thrown away. And he, he fished it out of the garbage. And if you're not familiar with the Apple Lisa, it was uh, basically a failed computer that was the precursor to the Macintosh. Steve Jobs was spearheading it. And then he got so excited about the Macintosh project, he's just like, meh. So you have this very rare Apple computer that in working condition sells for about $5,000. In the condition yeah. he has it in, it's probably about a $2,000 machine that he got at the dump um, for, for no money whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, one of the, it wasn't a very good computer. One of the, 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 the fixes that the tech support people would tell you to do, because sometimes it would just shut off, they would tell you to turn it upside down and gently drop it oh, what? <laughs> yeah no that's a real thing the solder on on one of the boards would heat up from use and it would the chip would come undone and the fix for that was to take the whole computer and just gently drop it on the desk and that would reseat the the solder and uh yeah needless to say there's a reason why it's a very rare computer it's an important computer in computer history wow but, uh, it is also a big huge piece of crap <laughs> so yeah, in addition to been playing stuff, I'm I'm restoring a, a Commodore VIC twenty, which is is cool. very fun. So let's let's hit question block real fast. Christian Cornell asks, "What was the first game you pre-ordered or stood in line for a day one purchase?" And Christian's was Pokemon Pearl for the DS. I can't remember what the first game that I pre-ordered was, but I the first thing I ever pre-ordered was the Nintendo sixty four, and the, back then. You pre-ordered to guarantee that you got one. And I know I've told this story before, but my friend and I, we drove to the Bangor Main Toys R Us. We went in there. There was nobody in the store whatsoever. We're like, this is very unusual. This is going to be a flop. Uh, we were checking out and we're like, we told the guy, you know, I, I, we expected way more people here. And he's like, oh, you should have been here yesterday when it launched. It was crazy. We, we 
had the wrong launch day. <laughs> so incredible. 60, yeah, we were the day we were a day late for the launch. Nowadays, if you pre-ordered something and you're a day late, they'd be like, ah, sorry, we sold it to somebody else. But back mm-hmm. then, they, they kept it in the back for us. So I'm interested in, in, if anyone else has any pre-order stories like that. Uh, I don't remember first, and I definitely don't remember games, because I think I did some midnight launches for games. But the one that always sticks out in my mind is that I waited on midnight for uh, a Wii. I, oh, okay. That's I a good camp- one. I camped outside. I went oh, from a, like a high school theater thing. And it was like a show. And then I went straight from the show to a line where I slept at like overnight in front of a Best Buy in your makeup? with a friend. Huh? In your costume and makeup? <laughs> no, not in the costume. <laughs> and I remember I was number 66 and they had 99 to give. So oh, wow. I was like right in the middle of the line. And nice. I got there at like 9 p.m. the day before or whatever. Wow. Yeah, that's... it was that was that's the one that sticks out the most to me. That's a cool story. And I needed it. Because the day it came out was also my friend's birthday party, and me and a friend both went so that we, he could get one for him, so that we could give that to him on the next day for his birthday. That's awesome. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Doris, four I, wins. I have two. Okay, let's hear. One um, was Pokemon Coliseum, and I think early two thousand and four, because it had the Jirachi bonus discs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was how you were able to get Jirachi onto Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire uh, back in the day. And I thought that the demo de- it would also have a demo on the bonus disc, and I was sorely disappointed when I wasn't able to, act- to actually play Coliseum. Because at the time, Coliseum was a big deal, because it was the first 3D mm-hmm. Pokemon solo adventure that you were able to play. Because we had Stadium, but Stadium was always more of a battle simulator kind of situation. Yeah. And Coliseum was a full-blown RPG. So I was very excited about that. I ended up 100%ing it when it eventually came out. And I got my Jirachi. And I still have my Jirachi named Wishmaker, which was <laughs> the... Awesome. Uh, the uh, was I, I think that was the original trainer in uh, Pokemon Coliseum. The other one was I pre-ordered StarCraft Ghost because at the oh. time... Oh. I was a huge StarCraft fan, <laughs> and being able to play as a ghost named Nova in a fully 3D kind of StarCraft action game looked incredible. I was downloading the gameplay trailers, the little snippet of gameplay trailers from IGN.com at the time, and going, this is going to be incredible. This is going to be the greatest game that is ever made. It's going to be on Nintendo GameCube. I'm going to own it. And I had it pre-ordered, and I waited and I was like, you know, 2005, I'm definitely going to get it. 2006, I'm definitely going to get it. And then it was canceled. <laughs> oh, no. Did you get refunded? Uh, I don't think I ever got my money back. Ooh, wow. You owe me $50. Plus interest, <laughs> yes. That's um, very- I don't remember my first game. I'm sure I pre-ordered games, but they were always like when my parents would take me to GameSpot when I was GameSpot GameStop when I was a child so I don't know I don't think that counts but the first one like I actually did on my own accord by myself was the Wii um and I had my grandma pick me up to take me to school but actually drop me off at GameStop so I can wait in line to pre-order grandma yeah and then um contributed to that she did actually no wait she she didn't drop us off my boyfriend at the time his mom dropped us off at gamestop instead of school and then my grandma picked us up from gamestop and took us to school when we were done (laughs) pre-ordering and we didn't tell our we didn't tell my parents i just did it (laughs) and skipped school so i could pre-order the wii 
and then you went made people go, go crazy. I remember that yeah. for me too. Yeah. It was like the hype was off the charts for the Wii. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a I, whole two part South Park episode about yeah. Wii hype. Oh my god, I forgot. About that. That's the most <laughs> I've ever related to a South Park episode ever, where he like freezes himself to stop the yeah. Wii. I was like, I want to do that. Like I, I was crazy as a kid. That's why I went to that midnight launch. Yeah, those are such great pre-order stories we have time for one very quick question and this is for cat because i don't have an answer for it but scott bechtel wants to know what is the best star trek game oh the best star trek game uh, my favorite star trek game of all time is star trek judgment rights a mid-90s graphic adventure game that came out from interplay it holds up surprisingly well and it has this lovely 2d art basically you're on the enterprise you're it plays out like little episodes. You go on the planets, you're solving puzzles and that kind of thing. You got the whole OG uh, Star Trek crew fully voiced by all of the actors. No way. Uh, still alive back in the day. And they were easy, relatively easy to get at the time. Um, yeah. Star Trek Judgment Rights is my favorite Star Trek game. There it is. Scott has been asking that question for weeks now. So I'm glad <laughs> there was finally an answer for it. All right. That is all the time we have left. Or excuse me, that is all the time we have for this week's NVC. Follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast. Submit your question block questions on the unofficial NVC Facebook group. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Casey. And welcome back, Kat. I also want to thank Kate on the ones and the twos. Most of all, thanks to you for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the boat. Get the boat. <laughs>